You're listening to the Letters to My Younger Soul podcast, where the authors from the book and invited guests continue the conversations to their soul. There's healing and reflection, restoration and joy. There's forgiveness, resolution for the sadness gone before when I let us to my own. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Letters to My Younger Soul podcast. I'm your host Maureen and this week I'm joined by another one of our uh, co-authors, Velma Williams-Ward. Velma, welcome. Thank you, Maureen. Nice to be here. It is so nice to have you here. As I uh, mentioned before, Velma is one of our co-authors. She is. Um, she was the 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 author of one of the letters that featured in our Letters to My Younger Soul book, which is a letter, uh, a book for, where over forty women from around the world contributed letters of love, healing, and advice to their younger self. So, Velma, uh, what I like to do when I start these uh, interviews is find out a little bit about uh, people's personalities by asking if your name has a particular meaning or not. Um, yes, I've learned uh, that my name, Velma, um, actually means gilded helmet. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Gilded it's a, helmet? It's, it's, yes, it's a Greek, you know, the, the helmet the Greek empresses wear. <laughs> um, it's gilded It's gilded because it's gold-plated. So I assume from that is that um, protector, shield, because that armour, all related. So take from that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it certainly is um, something it's quite powerful. I mean, the head's probably one of the mm. most important parts. Apart from your vital organs, your head is probably one of the most important parts to protect if you're going to protect anything, yeah. isn't it? So, so, you know, that's that's quite a strong position to be in. And covered in gold. And covered in gold at that, yes. Wow. I think that that probably um, suits you again. You know, we've worked on this project. So I know a little bit about you. And what I do know is that you're very much a champion for the rights of Mm. others. And and, and some might even say a warrior, perhaps, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, that gilded helmet, I think that that perhaps does suit you. Yeah, I thought that I thought that um, there's some of some of my personality coming out in in my name. I yeah. um, pretty much liked the idea, you know. <laughs> you did tell me. So yeah. um, another question I like to ask is because again, relating to the book, the book is a very international book, mm. and we've had women join us from places mm-hmm. such as Africa, India, uh, USA, different um, states in the USA, um, and of course the UK. Um, you have a very British accent, but 
I uh, know that you weren't born here. Where were you actually born? I was born in Jamaica. I was born in nice. Kingston, Jamaica. Yes. Have you have you been back to? I mean, that's probably a silly question. Have you been back to visit? And oh, yeah. Maybe I should ask how many times have you been back to visit? Oh, at one time it was every other year, but um, that's calmed down. But I, you know, yes, I've been back a few times now. Yes. Have you travelled to other places in the world as well? Oh yes, I love travelling. Yes, and I love. Yeah. Is there anybody anywhere else that you would, I mean, you've already made the jump once, you've come all the way from Jamaica and settled in uh-huh. the UK. Is there anywhere else that you would consider settling or would have liked to have settled maybe uh, years ago? Um, visit, but not settled. You know, I am, um, I'm really, one of my ultimate goal is to um, visit a few of the African countries, you know, Nigeria, Ghana, those sort of areas. Um, and I'm planning on developing some charitable work and links in those areas, Kenya, uh, you know, because my DNA says that all of these countries relate to me. <laughs> I ah. have a bit of them, so I want to go there. But I did, my, my heart is set on Jamaica to settle. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a dream, <laughs> as Martin Luther King would say, mm-hmm. I have a dream and that dream is to settle in Jamaica, retire in Jamaica, but tra- still travel and do a lot of my um, charitable work. <laughs> wow, that's that sounds really good, yeah. sounds and sounds like a plan. I don't Here's blame you on that one. Mm-hmm. I um I often joke that uh, I was born in the UK. Uh-huh. Um, despite being born here, I and for all the years that I am, which <clears throat> won't go into now, but for all the years that I am, I still have not become accustomed to the cold. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I choose the heat, I think, all day long. So I'm um, I'm with you in, in settling in uh mm-hmm. in um Jamaica. You um kind of led us in what you were saying to the next question because um, you you were alluding there to wanting to carry on with um, or to even start some charitable work mm-hmm. um, and I guess some of that may be from what I know of you stems from the work that you do at the moment tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. what you do as your in your your day job oh my day job um, I absolutely love my day job um, I at the moment I create holistic health plans so I help people um, to manage, relieve, and take control of their health condition, debilitating health conditions. Okay. Um, I suppose the conditions I'm talking about is like mental health, emotional and physical debilitating health. Yeah. Um, the way I do that is through creating uh, innovative health plans mm-hmm. that are natural and um and holistic yes i work holistically and i work with specialists and high high qualified uh, highly qualified specialists um and we look at what people presents um we even work with um from a wellness point of view with um small businesses and companies uh who are looking to maintain the well-being of their staff I think another part of what I do is work complementary because I know a lot of the time people might think, oh, you know, 
you're telling me you can cure cancer and, you know, don't bother with traditional practitioners and, and consultants and things like that. But that's not the message I want to send out there. The message is that we are complementary. What I do balance that. Um, we, we cannot deny, we cannot deny that, um, you know, traditional pharmaceuticals will bring toxins and toxins build inflammation. So we work mm. naturally to balance that. Um, and so we, can't, we can work very well as a complementary to traditional practitioners, traditional medicine, whatever. Um, so, and I take great pleasure in, in that because I see the results and I, it's, it's joyful. Um, what, Vil, what people won't know, um, Vilma, your organisation is called Nature's Pure Love. And actually, it started from um, something quite close to you, didn't it? Do you mm -hmm. want to share how you actually started your whole business idea? Well, I think I can, I can only do that by going back to the fact that, um, for me, I've always been a person that felt that I'm the best person to know me. And so, um, you know, I would look up, I would want, I wanted to sort of use what I already know, which was what I was brought up with through my grandmother and my mom, how to cleanse the body using natural solutions and things, because it grew in the gardens and things like that. It really became a profound thing for me when my daughter took ill. Mm. Um, and that's when, you know, I've always had this nurturing and wanting to always um, help people to, 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 to take care of themselves throughout my teenage, whatever. You know, I was always a giver in that way. Um, but when my daughter took ill and um, she, she was told that she was terminal, um, of course, we had nowhere to turn. And I was thought she, of, are you able to share what she was um, diagnosed with? She was diagnosed eventually after 30 years. She was oh, diagnosed wow. with lupus. Wow. So by then, because they didn't know what it was, <laughs> and they tried suggesting taking her spleen out and all of this. Wow. And we said, well, if we don't know what it is, why would we do this? And why would we do that? So we bear through it and... Eventually, she got um, she got diagnosed in uh, in her late thirties with um, lupus. At this time, by this time, it was stage five because you know, oh my goodness, uh, yeah. And so um, it it the the, the um, and this again was was a pivotal point because what then happened? They started to try all these medication on her. Um, you know, just loads and loads and loads of different medication to try and find something to keep under under control, including the steroids, which was a consistent one. Um, but um, they did they broke her down even more because mm. um, lupus is an autoimmune disease, isn't it? Mm. And so the, the the more they broke down her her, um, her immune system with the, with these medication the more susceptible she became to things like pneumonia and sepsis. And that's what happened. And they gave, they gave her the final, you know, nothing else to do. You are going to die, basically. And, um, of course, we didn't want to hear that. But my daughter, she, she resigned herself to it and said, you know, if I am going to die, Mum, I would like to go home and die at home with my son and my husband at my side. And, and that's where we took her home. But being who I am, I'm not going to just 
not I mean what have you got to lose yeah absolutely <laughs> you know and so we went to we, we turned it around by looking at a lifestyle that you know the lifestyle changes now that means looking at um a, a body holistically what is going on what you know diet looking at um exercise looking at everything and when I say exercise because a uh, poor girl she couldn't do much exercise but she could there there was a level of physical things that she could do so we put a program and a plan in place including natural remedies and you know I was so pleased to say she turned it around in in three months what yeah. an amazing what an absolutely amazing um, story and background story to the when you started I mean to hear that you've taken your daughter uh, most significantly from the brink of death quite frankly um, mm -hmm. the doctors the traditional um, doctors had all but given up on her and you being that 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 warrior as we talked about in the <laughs> beginning were not going to give up and, you know, have managed to turn her whole life around to the point of where she's now running her own business and, and stands as a success, an amazing mm -hmm. success story. Mm -hmm. um, if that isn't a, a gold badge for your your business, I don't know what, what else could be. I um, want to kind of bring it back to the book and say you, your letter mm -hmm. talked a lot about some quite challenging times that mm -hmm. you went through in your life and I wonder mm -hmm. if it's that um part of your life that's kind of geared you up now to be this woman who um is, is looking for the solution in things mm. for herself mm -hmm. um, no matter how long it takes to get the result because you mm. are determined to do it for yourself because you're kind of made of sterner stuff would you, mm -hmm. would you say that that's there's truth in that there is a lot of truth in that. I think as I am, um, I've often been told because I'm a Torian, you know, if someone waves the red flag, I will charge and I will <laughs> go for it. And I suppose that can mean that. So what, what I feel is that when I'm coming back to the, the book, what I wrote, reflecting back, you know, mm. the biggest challenge was it was a trauma. It was a shock when I came to this country because I never experienced um, racism to that level. Mm. And as a nine-year-old child, to be faced with that from adults, not not just children, mm. as adults, you know, um, that um, made me determined. And I remember being so determined that for some reason, you know, and I put it again, the Lord prepares me. I, mm. I, you know, I have a very strong faith and um, the Lord prepared me so that I, I, I recognize that I needed to take control of some of some of the path that I have to walk. Some of the things that I'm going to experience, I needed to, you know, and also to protect my brothers who are younger than me. Um, in the schools, in the education system, you know, and um, I realized that things were geared to a point that we were not allowed and I would not have been allowed. Let's take it back to me. I would not be have been allowed to get a GCSE uh, pass because I was told this was all I was in and, and the class that I was in was okay. set you know, and I was constantly being told about the paper factory or the Maynard Sweetie factory, and I'm determined, no, I want to work in the office, you know. So, yeah, that kind of determination taught me that I can achieve my goals 
and that has to come from me. Um, yeah, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be obstacles, but that was living, uh, you know, living my um, living and overcoming my obstacle in my young age through that experience um, meant that you know I did. I was the only the only child in the class of thirty odd that passed my um, CSC <laughs> at wow. O level standard. Yeah, um, because. When I could do page two, uh, two, three, and four of the sheets of the exam sheets, the rest of the class didn't get past two. <laughs> do you think the rest of the class didn't pass because they had allowed the the, the limiting talk from the teachers to Im- impact them, or did they really not know? I don't know. I can't say for sure, but I do know um, from my own experience that we would be sat in a class waiting for our social studies teacher and be told, oh, let's go and play rounders. So we spent a lot of the time doing the things that, that the we want. Yeah, that what the kids want to do. These are the children are going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants to sit and study? But for me, for some reason, I was just taking this very serious and I never liked it. And so I would be sitting up till what time at night at home studying that was why I passed those sheets. So it's almost as if they had no expectation of you anyway. So why exactly. bother taking you through the exercises exactly. just let you go out and but play? You've got to remember this was the this was, you know, the heights of racism and Black Panther and all the you know, all the things were happening at that time. You know, there was a lot, it, it wasn't like today where people have Today, people have to be a little bit more careful. Mm. It was, you know, I had a teacher who sat, well, a headmaster, really, who sat in the class of 30 children. And and the whole lesson was about, um, you know, his parents having to work so hard to send him through. And we come to this country and get it free. (laughs) And that we swung in trees in Jamaica, (laughs) you know, and he was blatant to the whole class like this. So, you know, so, (laughs) yeah. That's exactly what it would be today to some people because they've never heard that because we're not allowed to say things like that. But he sat there and um, it impacted on me so much. And uh, maybe I'm straight. I'm I'm hoping I'm still online here. But it impacted on me so much that when I made a friend in my adult life who was blonde, (laughs) she's Polish, lovely girl, and um, we were really good friends. And she one day, she said to me, you know, Velma, when I first met you, you were so standoff and weary, you know, you were just, mm. and, you know, I thought about it and then I upset her because I said to her, you know, when I thought about it, it's because I had a very cruel, <laughs> a very cruel um, headmaster who was blonde hair, blonde eyebrow, blonde eyelashes, blonde everything, but he was a cruel man. He was a really nasty, racist person, you know. And I actually used the word Nazi, and that really upset her because she's Polish. <laughs> I think that, and I are... never thought about it, and I really upset her, and I really regretted that, you know. But I was just trying to explain why I was so wary, and I wasn't even conscious of it at the time. But whenever I, I started to realize, whenever I came across people who there was a bit of a distance <laughs> before I'm you know, before getting to know them. <laughs> you know, and that, I would be... that 
you know, you questioned earlier whether or not you were straying. And I would say absolutely not that you are right on target because, you know, um, the, 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 the book came about because um, I was talking to friends and realized that we are still triggered by things mm-hmm. that happen to us mm-hmm. in our youth. And mm-hmm. sometimes we are at a point where we recognize that and we understand it about ourselves. But one of the further steps that we fail to do is even forgive ourselves for mm-hmm. whatever happened at that mm-hmm. time and our response at that mm-hmm. time. You know, because obviously you can only respond to it in as much as you're educated to respond to it. And what I mean is, you know what you know. When you're older and wiser, you might choose a different response. But in, in that moment, at that time, you did what you did. So you just need to forgive mm-hmm. yourself and move mm-hmm. on and not blame yourself any further. Yeah, and yeah. And what you're talking about is something very, very real that I think lots of people can identify with. And actually, you may have even just made put done given somebody else an aha moment that mm-hmm. they're probably thinking, oh, actually, people have said that about me. I take a bit of time to warm up. And then it might take mm-hmm. them back to the fact that you, we're older and wiser and we know that not everybody's mm-hmm. the same. And this was just mm-hmm. one idiot, to be quite frank. Yeah. But it, but the scar remains, and it still remains oh, nice. a trigger point. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so it, it's 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 a, a very insightful mm. thing but for it me did, to share. Yeah, it did sort of help me to become to find who I was mm. and who I wanted to be because mm. I think that's the pinnacle bit as well. You know, it's so easy to become bitter. Yes, and and I feel bitterness destroys you. Yes. So, you know, I needed to find who I was and what who I wanted to be. So I've never limited, I've never let my experience limited me in that kind of, um, diff, you know, in, in those areas mm. that I would come bitter. You know, I've just, I, what it's done, it's motivated me to go out and educate, to go out and teach. I started with my children. Give them an identity. Let them know they can be whoever they want to be. Mm. Um, you know, and then I, uh, you know, I started them um, to work within the community. Um, that started with um, as a social worker. I had a colleague ask me if I would um, if I would uh, um, do a, a project for isolated um, elderly Black Caribbean in Essex who was isolated from their culture and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I started to do that. But once I started to do that, I realized there were white moms with black children whose black father had left the home. They were struggling. Not only were they victims to the racists because they had black children, the children were suffering terrible abuse, even in school at the hands of the teachers. And so, you know, um, so apart from the hummingbird for the hummingbird held in club, I started the Black and Dual Heritage um, um, Black and Dual Heritage uh, Club for, uh, project for for mixed heritage children. Um, I refuse to say race because I really don't feel that. <laughs> I think race is an invention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? I do think um, that um, we are one race and we are of the human race. And uh, yeah, we have all all diff- we all have differences. But I started that with the children for the children and for their families. And it didn't matter what culture they are, I think, you know. And I think, and this was in Essex, they learnt a lot because it was about educating, giving them identity, helping them through uh, therapeutically through some of the experiences, which I, which I understood because I went through it as a child in school, you know. 
and that sprung into the African Caribbean Community Centre, which the council, when I when I spoke to them and said we needed one, they said, "Why do you need your own club?" And I said, "Well, the Irish has one." <laughs> exactly. But you know what? What what an absolutely powerfully wonderful story that is. I just love the way. Um, your adversity has created so much purpose and opportunity in and through your life. Absolutely amazing. And I I applaud you for taking every, you know, that what 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 a what a way to get back at that head teacher with nothing more to be empowered to make a difference and an impact here he thought he was giving you your just desserts and keeping you down where you belong and you've come along you know there's a there's a um there's a scripture you were talking about you know your faith and the bible and there's a mm. scripture that talks about you know uh, it says something along the lines of let the seed fall to the ground and die you know it doesn't bear any fruit and essentially i can't quote it word for word yeah. now, but essentially what it's saying is we need to if if we stay whole and uh, and uh, uh, we we don't bear anything but if we die mm-hmm. to ourselves and mm-hmm. go in and be buried what feels like being buried in the ground we have the potential to sprout to up spread. and bear much more fruit and yeah. it's almost like those experiences had the potential to kill you off and bury you but instead what mm-hmm. they did was cause you to become a seed which has now yeah. grown to bear much fruit and che- i mean i can only imagine mm. how far your reach has now gone because of those extra lives that you mm-hmm. touched, you know, the, the the Caribbean women that were isolated, what difference has it made in their family lives? Mm-hmm. How many more lives have you touched by touching them? Those mm. children and those parents who were isolated and like you said, victims themselves, you mm. know, th- we know that that could have been such a different outcome for them, but mm-hmm. you've come along, shown them something different, given them a sense of identity and purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, what are they doing? Who are they touching? Who are they impacting? It's absolutely mm-hmm. marvellous. And I, again, yeah. I applaud you on taking those steps and not allowing, you know, some some real... Um, yeah. Deep, could... What potentially were really deep hurts and cuts in your life to keep you down. And I watched it happen. I watched it happen with peers, um, um, you know, with a lot of other black children from my era. And I watched how it's what it's done for them because they're just lost. And, and you know, the education system mm. taught them that they have no value because yes. the history don't give them anything. Everybody else, the other cultures did something. Your culture did nothing, which is not true. It was a lie. Mm. You know, you just needed to educate yourself, but or, or find a means. And I'm I'm really glad for a lot of people that touched my life that I was able to educate from. And I wanted to give that to my children because I thought they're the next generation. And again, mm. my children was one of one of the main inspiration for doing for doing the the, the Black and Blue at Elshish Club because I moved them out of London simply because I was constantly being told you're a coconut right, by my own people, wow. <laughs> because, <laughs> because you know, you're black on the outside and you're white on the inside, because I refuse to back, I refuse to speak with the lingo, <laughs> do you know what I mean, but that was me, I wanted to be me, I didn't want to feel that I had to be a certain way to be part of something, I wanted to, to shine through myself, and I wanted the same for my children, so I did move them out into Essex, which was quite a a backward place, to be quite honest, you know, 
Um, they didn't seem to realize that even though um, your skin was black, the, the, the hospitals and the, all the lawyers and all the things were, 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 were all the professionals in that new town was actually black. <laughs> you wow. know, it was the, <laughs> so, you know, so they were, they are achievers. We were not the <laughs> minority. The only ones. Do you yeah. think that that's what, that it's all of these experiences that gave you the impetus to get involved in the project because you yes. would have had to, yes. you know, it, it, mm -hmm. we want, we want that we're hoping that the book will be an inspiration to mm -hmm. others that read it as well. And so mm -hmm. was it thinking that you want to be able to give not only, not only should you just speak to your younger self, but give somebody else some hope about. Oh, um, definitely. Because I was so aware that, um, you know, um, I can do so much, but I have six children, which means there is six more powers out there, mm. <laughs> you know, if I could pass on to them. And uh, that's what happened because, you know, um, I, I, as I said, it, it was about them and their future and how they were going to cope, making sure they have an identity, they know who they are. And that's what happened because, I, you know, I'll tell you one story my my young, one of my youngest daughter, my second youngest daughter, she, she, um, the teacher was going on in, in the class about black this and black power and black, black male and black this and everything negative was black. And she actually stood up and this is how empowered she, my children were, you know, she stood up and she says, um, sir, because she was a, um, a mixed heritage child. Um, because my second marriage was, to a white man and she said and she said does that mean that I'm half bad and half good <laughs> <laughs> good for her <laughs> you know and, what was and she response? was always she was always getting into trouble because again he started talking about you know um, um these people should go back to their countries and blah 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 and she again stood up put her hand up and said sir but black people were here before white people did you know that and yeah. he didn't say anything. He tried to pass it. And the kids said to him, is that true, sir? <laughs> and, and he was a well you know what all credit to him because I did think he was just going to send her to the headmaster oh. but he actually admitted that she was right so yes, I, I'll give him a little bit of credit for that he's redeemed himself definitely, in, in, in definitely. that way by not completely denying but, her yeah but my my the, what I was trying to explain is that the generations mm. because you know they took it on and then my children became so aware that my daughter, when she did her, when she went to university to her teaching, she wanted to teach 16 year olds. And then she, when she was doing the training, she realized the, the amount of psychology they were using on kids and so forth. She thought, my kids are not going to school, <laughs> you know. So I had, I um, raised children that home educated their children. And they now, you know, take out into society a lot of positive. You sound as if you've um, actually, you've done quite a lot of uh, self-work over the years and so mm -hmm. you've resolved many issues in mm -hmm. yourself. When I've spoken to other authors, um, they have actually found the journey of writing their letter quite um, difficult because mm -hmm. it's meant going into parts that they wanted to explore but hadn't explored for quite some time and so mm. it did raise um, some, it did kind of reopen some wounds for them. Mm -hmm. Did you um, have the same experience with writing your own or did it actually feel more empowering for you to be able to write about it? I, I, it, it felt, oh, 
it was a way of letting out. Mm. <laughs> you know, it felt that um, uh, I could really, I've been carrying this, yeah, um, and even though a lot of people don't want to hear what I'm saying, even what I'm saying today now, because they think, oh, you're just going, people are afraid that, you know, it's going to cause malice or you're going to get angry with me or whatever. I just want to get it out. I just want people to acknowledge this is what it was like. And, um, um, you know, I can move on. And I want people to see I can still love you. I'm, you know, that doesn't mean because our behaviours is, is what we dislike. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not the person. And people can change when they, are, when they learn and they understand and they grow. And that is what I'm here for. I believe, is to teach, <laughs> is to help people to learn and understand and overcome the obstacles, the disabilities, the, the, whether it's physical, emotional or whatever, that holds you back or turns you into things. And I find when I was the opportunity to write that, I knew it took a long, uh, it took a long time getting it done, but I, it was something I really wanted to do, to reflect back. Um, on that journey, you know, right back to coming, my mum having to leave her children at a young age, children now who she didn't have an attachment to anymore. And we all know, we all know what attachment, mm. how important attachment is in our lives, especially for young children. Absolutely. I mean, my, my youngest, my brother was 18 months when my mum left you know and that's a typical time and I wanted to be able to just reflect on that and 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 get that out and really make it something in 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 that in in that um reflection Mm -hmm. um what did it mean what who was this person we met at the airport as children they were strangers my mom and dad strange my dad was um as I said in in that he was just a (laughs) he was a shadow he wasn't really there, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And um, my mum was my main role model. She was she was Queen Nefertiti, <laughs> basically, to me. Do you understand? And so everything I learned, um, even though um, it served this purpose, then I have to reflect on it in order to manage it. Mum did it her way because that's what was needed. But if I do it that way, it's, it's, it, it might overwhelm me or overwhelm others because um, one of the, and I'll give you an instant, I'll give you an example. Every day, even my children tell me I'm a workaholic. I get it from my mum. Mm. So I have to manage it. I have to recognise what's happening, where it's coming from, reflect on it and bring it. Because my mum had no choice, <laughs> yeah? But she has made it possible for me to have a choice and I can reflect on it. And that's what writing this and reflecting on these things uh, have done for me. I think one of the really beautiful um, and um, empowering things about the story that you've shared with mm. us today is, you know, things things happen. I mentioned before that, you know, we're in certain situations at times in our lives and we perhaps we don't know any better. And so we make choices based on what we know is the best thing to do at that time. Mm. But what I'm hearing very clearly and strongly through your story and your family lineage is that with each generation, things are improving. 
My journey, um, Maureen, is that um, at, from a very young age, as I said, from from school when I was doing my exams and so forth, social studies was always, you know, caring for people. It has always been my passion. I can even remember at 12 years old sitting on the steps thinking, when I get older, I'm going to buy a big house and I'm going to have loads of kids. I'm going to get all these kids. I'm going to bring all these kids and look after them. <laughs> okay. So I've always had that inclination of caring for mm. people. Um, and I love social studies and wanted to go down that route. But somewhere along the line, I focus on bringing up my family, bringing up my children and, and getting them to stand strong in the face of adversity, mm-hmm. because it was very adverse, racist behavior. When you have grown men pulling up in a car next to young kids coming home from school and throwing dirty nappies at them and calling them all the names. These children, you know, it can be very traumatizing. So it's a matter of not, not allowing these things, to, for me, not allowing these things to hold you back. And my children see that. I saw that in my mother. Nothing held her back. Yeah. And, a, and that set a precedency for me. Um, how I choose to adapt it and use it in my life, nothing was going to hold me back and I didn't want it to hold my children back. I grew up on things like unity and strength. Yeah, (laughs) those are the sort of thing, you know, um, and there is no such word as can't. Mm -hmm. There's no such word as can't. I will try. And Mr. Opportunity comes but once. That's my mother. And they became that those stones, those stepping stones in my life, those things. And so I pass that on to my children. And this is why you can see that we're not jumping from the bottom step to the landing. There is a graduate growth within the family. Wow. Wonderful. (laughs) This um, book, as I think I mentioned earlier, is uh, we're hoping will be um, an inspiration and uh, will help those that read it to maybe Mm overcome some of the challenges Mm. that they have Mm. or at least feel empowered to overcome Mm. and so we want it to be a very inspiring book and I wondered if there is um, another book that you've read the last (laughs) year or lifetime that's inspired you in the same way well yes you've got to have some therapy sometimes you've got to think and I think my two I have two that I can think of you know and one is the great book um you know my biggest therapy is the is the Bible, the scriptures. <laughs> okay, Amen. that's that, that. Yeah, takes me there. You know, I learn my my parenting style. You know, apart from my mum, comes from that. You know, that that that. People say there is no parenting manual. Well, I'm telling them there is one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. And secondly, um, I this one is just uh, for relaxing the brain, and it is a novel, and it's um. It's called A Woman of Substance by Barbara um, Barbara Bradford Taylor. Yeah. Okay. Now, there you go. That's a woman that didn't give up and was determined to achieve after all that she went through, right? So they, they're the two books that inspired nice. me. I, like I wanted that. to be that woman. <laughs> I wanted to achieve. I wanted to overcome all the obstacles and succeed, and I'm still doing it I love. I think I've succeeded I've succeeded with my children I know that (laughs) you know where I've put them so you know and um you know with the help of God with the grace of God you know um 
And I will always praise that, praise him. <laughs> I love that. From the Bible to Barbara Taylor. What was the saying Brad- again? It's Bradford. Bradford, yeah. <laughs> Bible to Barbara Taylor Bradford. Well, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, we're coming um, close to the end of our uh, interview mm-hmm. now. And it's been such a joy to speak to you. But I have one last question for you. And and I want you to find out what's your favourite quote and why is it your favourite quote? Oh, my favourite quote. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. I would have to say, (laughs) and again, it's going to come back um, to my uh, Christian belief and it's um, do unto others as you would have done to you. Um, you know, and um, <laughs> love, you know, love your neighbour as yourself because mm. without, I think love is, is the key thing for survival. I think love overcomes everything. And if we can love and love each other, um, we are going to be able to, you know, triumph, basically. Love it. They're they're great quotes to end on. Well, Velma, thank you for your time today. Thank you for joining me for this interview. It has been a very inspiring um, interview. I love talking to all of the women um, Mm. that took part in this book. I have to say it's one of my proudest um, achievements, I think, in life is managing to curate this. I couldn't have done it without the likes of yourself I really um, appreciate the women so much because if you weren't as transparent as you were and so willing Mm. to share those stories the book wouldn't be what it is today and I Mm. really appreciate that so thank you for sharing your letter thank you for being a part of this interview as well it's been an absolute joy speaking to you and finding out a bit more about what you've been through and what a fantastic legacy you are leaving behind in this world, as well as your letter in our book. But just what you're doing in your own life is absolutely marvellous. And I can't wait to hear some more about and, and see more of what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you so much once again. I hope that you have enjoyed your time here being interviewed by me. I want to thank you. Um, it's been a joy and it's been great and, and it's been a therapy and it's, it's been everything positive, um, you know, partaken. I, 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 you know, I've really enjoyed them. It's gone very quickly because <laughs> I was enjoying myself. And yeah, it's been lovely. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and for giving me the opportunity to write uh, that uh, for that for, for that part of the book, contribute to the book. Um, you know, again, they say a, a great therapy is about writing things and reflecting back on things. And that really did a lot for me. Um, and I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to explain how much because of going through so much in your daily life getting that opportunity to just take time and reflect on things and where you are has been a wonderful gift that you've given me and I I'm so grateful to you for that thank you thank you Letters to My Younger Soul, the book is available now online wherever they sell books. And to join us in gifting a book or books to organisations around the world that work with women young and older, visit our gift a book page at www.eivpublishing.com. Thank you. Let's talk about-